You are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. Remember, uh, Brother Al Razor, uh, he's back here. He lost his wife this week on Thursday, I believe. And we want to just have special prayer in this moment for him. If you're near him, I just want you to lay your hand on him. And uh, we're going to pray strength for him in these coming days. But uh, we know the Lord can bring strength and comfort. And I, I want us to just pray for Brother Al Razor today. Lord, we thank you, God, for your faithfulness to us, your goodness to us, Lord. We're thankful, Lord, that we can find comfort and strength in your presence. We're thankful, Lord, that we can uh, lean on you in these difficult days, Lord. And I pray that you would bring strength to him, bring around him the support that he needs, the resources he needs, Lord. In the coming days, you would be his help. You'd be his strength, Lord. I thank you for his faithfulness to be here today to honor you and worship you because you are worthy of our praise today. You are worthy of our praise today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Continue to remember him in prayer these coming days. And uh, today in our uh, Coffee and Connect time, we launched our life groups. And I hope that you are signed up ready to go for a life group or two this coming uh, semester, uh, September, October, November. Uh, We want you to make sure that you're connecting relationally with Paige. What's that? (laughs) Life groups. Are you supposed to make that announcement? Yes. I didn't see that on the schedule. Life groups is a special day every Sunday. That's right. It's a special day at Calvary, but today is Pastor Tom's birthday. It's not in his notes, but I think it would be appropriate if we sing Happy Birthday Today. It's Brother Paul Smith's birthday, too. You got birthday buddies in the house. Oh, man. Oh, man. That's awesome. All right, here we go. Are you ready? One, two, three. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Mr. Tom. There you go. Happy birthday to you. Well, that is 
uncalled for, unnecessary, but uh, greatly appreciated. And I love this church. And uh, uh, you only get a few times in I only get a few times in my lifetime to preach on my birthday. So, uh, hence the black attire today. <laughs> that was very calculated on my part. Um, so, yeah, uh, for, <laughs> 45, 45, so, so what that's worth, I think it makes me neither young nor old, uh, so, well, life groups are in full swing, I hope you'll take advantage of them, and I guarantee you, if it's your birthday and it's a life group, they're going to sing happy birthday to you in your life group, so that's a good reason to sign up for a life group. And uh, I thank Anthony Henson, our former associate pastor, for uh, leading life groups. So uh, anyway, uh, you may be seated today. Now, I want you to tell somebody next to you. Now, if you're retired, you can use a previous title, but... I want you to tell the person next to you what your title is at work. I know you have one. I know you have one. You have a title, or you used to have a title at work. All right, some of you are excited about the title. Some of you wish you didn't have the title. And uh, yes, our ushers are going to receive our Sunday morning tithe and offering. I got it all messed up. Um, but uh, yes, they're receiving our Sunday morning tithe and offering. And if you have a Connect card, you can put that in there as well. But what is your title at work? Because what you are called can make the difference in not only what you do for your company or the place that you are employed or volunteer, but it also can impact how you view yourself. It's, it's true. There are different titles that businesses come up with, and you can, there are hundreds and hundreds of titles to come up with. There are marketing coordinator or medical assistant, web designer, dog trainer, president of sales, nursing assistant, project manager, librarian, account executive, chief executive officer, and so on. You can think of many, many titles, and some of you have had many titles of work in your lifetime, and they bring a sense of clarity on how we are supposed to act on our job. For some, it's your job title determines what you look like and what you're supposed to do. Now, next week, I hope you're here. It's not my birthday, but I do hope you're here. I know it's Labor Day. But I'm not being silly when I say this. Next Sunday, I want you to come to church wearing what you wear to work. 
Rut row, Shaggy. Now, I should say this, I should, I should say this. What you would wear at the office if you were to go to work. Many of you are on Zoom calls. We don't want you wearing what you wear on Zoom calls. If you were to have to show up at a meeting or a, a place to, at, at your office or whatever, but I want you to show up next week wearing what you wear to work, including name tags, badges, whatever you have to wear. We'll just leave that out there. As a person of faith, what term identifies you? How do you view yourself in light of your faith? Somebody asks you, what religion are you? Or what do you believe? The most common expression today that we use to identify our faith is the term Christian. It is universally used to describe what you and I are experiencing today. However, it is interesting to understand that this term Christian is only used three times in the Bible. And in all three circumstances... It is a term used by outsiders to designate those who are believers. So it's not believers describing themselves, but it's those on the outside describing those who are believers. Some scholars say it began as a derogatory term to say that somebody was a Christian or a term of mockery. And its basic and original meaning, it means those who are party to Christ. Party to Christ. Not only do we probably in here, if somebody were to ask you what you are, what you believe, you would say, I'm a Christian. Not only do we identify as a Christian, within the Christian context, we have other identifications. We identify our faith and refer to our understanding and belief in the experience of being filled with the Spirit of God as being Spirit-filled. We would say that we are Christians, but we are also Christians who are Pentecostal. Somebody would identify as Pentecostal. You spoke in other tongues. And it refers to Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Today in this church, very specifically, we identify our faith and refer to our fundamental belief in being obedient to the teachings of the apostles as a Christian. And so we say that we are apostolic. We are apostolic, Pentecostal Christians. We believe in the teachings of the apostles, and that 
comes out of Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Last week, Pastor Stan Gleason used the term believer in his title. The priesthood of the believers. And we would identify today probably as a believer because of the important act of belief in our relationship to God. And Luke, the writer of the book of Luke and the writer of the book of Acts, he wrote both of those books of the Bible. He would show us different identities that people of faith would be known for. In Acts chapter 9, he said they were called saints. Everyone say saints. In Acts 5, they were called believers. They were called brothers and sisters. In Acts chapter 6, they were called witnesses. In Acts chapter 5, they were called followers of the way. In Acts chapter 9, verse 2, they were even called Nazarenes. In Acts chapter 24, because of the connection to Jesus of Nazarene. And so, There are different expressions that are in our world and in the early church that describe those who have faith. And while the most common expression for our faith today is Christian, I would argue that what was not the most common, that was not the most common identification of people in faith in Scripture. And I want to take not just a few moments here, I'm going to take a few weeks and attempt to lay out on us, to us, another identity for our faith. An identity that is probably the most common expression for your faith and one that, if properly understood, could change the trajectory of your faith. And so today I'm going to begin a part one of a two-part series entitled, I Am a Disciple. I Am a Disciple. In Acts chapter 11, verse 25 and 26, and I'll let our visual team know I did switch a few things around, so if I'm a little out of order, don't worry about trying to keep up. But if you have your Bibles, Acts chapter 11, verse 25, Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples, everyone say disciples. The disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. I think that's an important distinction. They were known as disciples, but then they began to be referred to from those outside of the faith as Christians or Christ followers, but their identity was a disciple. And we understand that they were called disciples because that is what Jesus identified them as. In Luke chapter 6, verse 13, they're not going to follow through all these scriptures. I'm going to quickly give you several different scriptures. 
in six, Luke 6.13. It says, when it was day, he called his disciples to himself. And from them he chose twelve whom he also named apostles. Luke chapter 6 verse 20, he lifted up his eyes towards his disciples and said, Blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Acts chapter 8 verse 22, it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, Let us cross over the other side. Luke chapter 9, verse 1, he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. I think it's important that you understand that it was the disciples that were given power and authority. In Luke, or Luke chapter 9, 16, he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. And it happened in 9 verse 18. It happened as he was alone praying that his disciples joined him and he asked them saying, Why do, what do, who do the crowd say that I am? Luke 10, 23, he turned to his disciples privately and said, Blessed are the eyes which see the things you see. Even the Pharisees would refer to Jesus' followers as disciples. He would say the disciples of John and of the Pharisees were fasting. Then they came and said to him, Why do the disciples of John and of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? There's something about the term that he was trying to keep in play here. That disciple meant something. Evidently, the term disciple spoke to exactly what the believers and followers of Christ were. So who were the disciples? We can sometimes think that the word disciple refers to the 12 disciples. And many times it does refer to the 12 in Scripture. But a quick glance will let us know that to be a disciple was not just a call to a select few. In fact, Jesus would be so confident of this idea that after he died, after he was buried, and after he rose again, and before he ascended into heaven, he would say, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go therefore and make disciples. Of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So we see that a disciple was not relegated to just a, a few twelve, but that a, the word disciple was meant to encompass all those who would choose to put their faith in Jesus Christ. So when the early church began, Luke in his writings and acts referred to these believers most often as disciples. In Acts chapter 1, it says in verse 15, in those days Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Altogether, the number of names was about 120. And so we realize that he's not just referring to 12 disciples. There were 120 disciples 
in the upper room who received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. In Acts chapter 6, verse 1, now in those days when the number of disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples. And he said, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. They are referred to, those early believers are referred to as disciples. In Acts chapter 6 verse 7, the word of God spread and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Acts chapter 9 Paul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord went to the high priest. In 9 verse 19 it says Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus after he has this amazing experience. The disciples then in Acts 9 take him by night and let him down over the wall. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem he tried to join the disciples. But they were all afraid of him. And did not believe that he was a disciple. Now again, I'm not trying to just get into semantics and just overemphasize. But I think it's important to understand that believers are identified as disciples. I think there's something significant to that. In verse uh, chapter 11, we read it, the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch in verse 29 of chapter 11. Then the disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Jerusalem. So these disciples were giving as they saw need to send relief to those in Judea. In chapter 13, verse 52, Luke writes, the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Chapter 14, verse 20, it says that the disciples were gathered around him. He rose up and went in the city. In verse 21, when they preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. In 1428, it says they stayed there a long time with the disciples. Chapter 18, verse 23, Luke says that they were strengthening all the disciples. In 1827, it says they were exhorting the disciples. In Acts 20, verse 7, it says on the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. Disciples came together to break bread. In Acts chapter 21, verse 4, in finding disciples, we stayed there seven days. Over and over, you're going to find that they were, the early church, were most often called disciples. And I believe we would do well to consider why this term 
is so prevalent in the description of believers. Because I think if we would understand that we are disciples, if we grabbed a hold of the idea that we are disciples, it might change what we do. It might change what we say. It might change where we go and how we act in a given day. So I want to today focus on one aspect. I am a disciple because I follow Jesus. I am a disciple because I follow Jesus. Now, again, I get it. We've been in church so long, we hear these terms thrown around, and it doesn't have some spectacular new revelation or weight to it. But if I will reach for the identity of a disciple, if I say that I am a disciple of Jesus Christ, that meant one thing to the believers— I'm going to follow Jesus. There was the crowd. There was the multitude. But Jesus was emphatic about saying, who are my disciples? And I know who my disciples are because when I look around, They're the ones in proximity to me. They have followed me. They are near me. And if I am going to be a disciple, I will follow Jesus Christ and I will be in proximity to him. When I lived in San Diego, California in my early 20s, I taught piano lessons, and inevitably, there were students who would want me to teach them a song that they liked. They loved the idea of being able to play a song that could impress their family or friends. There's a noticeable difference between those who are only interested in playing a song and the students who come and actually want to learn how to play the piano and build techniques and develop an understanding of music. There's a fine line between those who want a music experience and those who want to become musicians. I'm thankful we have great musicians at the Calvary Church. Those who don't just look to play one song, the one hit wonder, but they develop their skills so that they can be in any circumstance and play a song. 
And the same applies to our spiritual life. There are many people who are satisfied with having a spiritual experience every now and then, but have not stepped to the next level of developing their spiritual life and living in a spiritual way. They have a spiritual experience, uh, but they are not a spiritual person. And I believe what Jesus Christ calls us to is not a life where we have spiritual experiences once a week, once a month, every now and then, uh, Easter and Christmas. No, his calling to us is to be a disciple, somebody who is all in in their relationship with God. And so... I think it's imperative to understand that when I say I am a disciple, it means that I have set my life up to be in proximity to God, to be in proximity to his power, to be in proximity to his presence, and to be in proximity to his people. Amen. Amen. So Jesus would say in Luke chapter 9, And it tells the story in Luke chapter 9. And let me just say, if you want to kind of understand a broad context of where I'm preaching from these next two weeks, read Luke chapter 9 and Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 9, 57, it happened as they journeyed on the road. Here's what you got to understand. Jesus is walking with his disciples on the road. He's walking along the road doing the work of God. And someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, Jesus says to another, there's a group of people, there's a crowd. And he said to another, follow me. And he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I'm going to follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. And Jesus said to him, no one, having put his hand to the plow, and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. In this parable or in this story, I should say, we find three different types of followers. Followers who are completely committed to the work of God, committed to following him wherever he goes. And he wanted to make sure that they knew that, hey, listen, you might not understand everywhere I'm going. Everywhere I'm going doesn't make sense to you. But if you'll commit to follow me, I'll tell you, you'll live the best and most adventurous life you've ever lived. But then he gives us, The idea of two other kinds of followers. I would suggest that these are followers. The first follower was someone, a follower who had misguided priorities. They had a lack of understanding of the priorities that God intended for their life. And I'm not going to dive into that. God is not speaking or Jesus is not speaking against the family, that we should disown our family and never talk to them again. He's not saying that, but he's saying there's a priority that you have to have in your life. And they had misguided priorities as it pertained to the kingdom of God. 
And the second was those followers with divided passions. Those who had passions for the past. Those who had passions for their friends. And he said, there's no way you're going to do the work in the will of God if you don't have your priorities straight and you don't have your passions straight. You've got to have your priorities straight and your passions straight to do the work of God. He says, if you're going to be a disciple of mine, I need you to follow me wherever I go. Even when it's tough, even when you're struggling, even when it doesn't make sense, you stay near Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. I'm a disciple because I follow him. One said that the priority is culture and tradition. The other said the the priority is relationships and perception. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you want to do my work in the world, you have to follow me. Because proximity, proximity to Jesus, hear me now, is the only way that you're going to hear the voice of God. You cannot hear the voice of God any other way. How are you going to know what to do when you are on the job? How are you going to know what to do in your school? How are you going to know what to do in a family situation? The only way to know is to be in close proximity to Jesus Christ, to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. And so Jesus said, if anyone desires to come after me, Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? He says, if you're going to follow me, You have to deny yourself. We don't need more self-awareness. We don't need more self-centeredness. And we don't need more self-esteem. We need more denial of self. We need more stepping away from what I want and more of what he wants. And he said, take up that cross daily and follow me. In other words, every day walk a road that takes you to a cross where you die out to yourself. He said, that's the only way you're actually going to follow me. The only way you're really going to get the full experience of following me is if you deny yourself and you pick up that cross and you let it lead you to the cross of Calvary and you in that moment will realize everything that God has for you and it will be nothing to follow him take up your cross and follow me he says and so this is what the early church did says with many other words in Acts 2.40, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved 
from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. They stayed in proximity to the presence of God. They stayed in proximity to the power of God, and they stayed in proximity to the people of God. You cannot be a disciple of Jesus Christ and be disconnected from the people of God. If you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, you will follow Jesus and you will walk alongside everybody else who is following Jesus Christ. And I am a disciple because I follow Jesus. Because when I follow him, when I lay myself down, I realize that he's going to teach me things in his word. He's going to teach me things. I'm going to find his presence in prayer. If you look at the, the new, new early church, you, you'll find that it says the disciples prayed. The disciples were together to hear the word of God. The disciples encouraged one another. The disciples assisted one another. The disciples gave to one another. The disciples connected with other disciples. I'll tell you today that the Calvary Church, what we're doing today with life groups is not a minor thing. It's not just so we can say that we're playing church. Relationships matter in the church, and it's a part of being a disciple. We should be connected one to another. And I'll tell you today, I think as a, a pastoral team, and I'll say for me specifically, I try to be mindful of people's time at this church. But I must confess that sometimes I wonder if I've done us a disservice at times because I absolutely believe that the best way for you to live out your Christian life as a disciple is to put the things of God as a priority in your life. I've often thought and prayed about what kind of church God's calling us to be. And I will tell you what I cannot get away from that's in the DNA of our church and that he has called us to be a disciple-making church, not a crowd-gathering church. I, I think that there are things that I could do that could create a better crowd here. And I'm not opposed to doing things that allow people to let down their defenses and help people understand the ways of God more. But we are not called just to gather a crowd that comes in on a Sunday and has a spiritual experience and enjoys just a Christian experience. What I feel called to do is build a church that is making disciples, a church who is making disciples. And what I know is how do I build a church that makes disciples? I have to build a church that is a disciple, that church that is made up of actual disciples of Jesus Christ. 
Christ. And if God is not a priority in your life, then there is no way that you can accomplish his work in this world. I'm believing today that God is going to transform our minds and our faith. And we're not just going to identify as Christians. And we're not just going to identify as Pentecostals. And we're not just going to identify as apostolics. But we are called to be disciples. Whatever it costs, we're called to be disciples. What does that look like for you? What does that look like for me? I'll tell you what it doesn't look like. It doesn't look like me pushing the plow and looking back, having passions divided between things I like and, and the things of God. No, God has to be the priority in my life. He's got to be my ultimate passion. And everything else uh, is taking a back seat. Uh, He gets priority of my time. He gets priority of my money. He gets priority of my energy. Why? Because I am a disciple. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Somebody receive that identity today. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can stand with me. Because true disciples are not looking for the path of least resistance. Disciples are all in. Disciples are saying, where are we going? Disciples are looking for, where can I serve? Where can I give? Where can I help people who are in need? Where can I encourage people? Disciples, follow Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. I am a disciple. Jesus said in Matthew 19, Now behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good things shall I do that I might inherit eternal life? He said, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. And he said to him, which ones? Jesus said, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Young man said to him, all these things I have kept from my youth. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, if you want to be mature, go, sell what you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. was divided passions and Jesus knew it about him and he said you're going to have to let go of some things you're going to have to let go of some things that identify who you are in this world you've identified yourself as a rich young man you walk through the marketplace and you walk through the town and your confidence is in your money 
Your confidence is in your reputation in the community. Your confidence is in the things that you possess. But he said, if you really want to follow me, if you want to be my disciple, you're going to have to let go of that identity. You're going to have to let go of the thing that makes you something. You're going to have to deny yourself going to have to take up your cross and then you can follow me many of you know what the young man does stands there for a second and ponders what Jesus says the Bible said he walked away sorrowful I can't do it I can't let go of my identity to be a disciple I don't believe that's what's in this room today. I'm thankful today to be a part of a group of disciples who are hungry for the things of God. Can't tell you how inspired I am every week by the things that are happening by disciples in this church. See Tammy Lane and Sean Hickey who come every Thursday night to bring people hope who are struggling with habits and hang-ups. Saw a group of people gather in Oxford yesterday and walk through the city and pray. Saw a group this week, in the last few weeks in Brookville, Indiana, working and laboring and giving so that a church can grow in the city of Brookville, Indiana. I'm always inspired on Sunday nights in United Prayer when we come here and we gather and disciples gather to pray. I'm amazed every month to see the courageous giving to missions, to send money around the world, to send money into missions projects in this city. I'm amazed at the giving to the Promise Project, the faithfulness of tithe and offering in this church. Disciples who say, we're following Jesus. And if you're here today and you haven't made that decision, that level of commitment, yeah, it, it looks like a big deal. But if I were to pass the mic around to some of these who are faithful disciples of Jesus Christ, they'll tell you. They'll tell you their life is at peace with God. They'll tell you that they're living fulfilled. They'll tell you that God's blessing has been on their life. Even though it seems like money's going out, the blessing of God is on their life. Even though they've spent time and energy, it's somehow they still have enough time to do what they need to do in this world to accomplish what God has put on their heart, even on their job. I'm inviting us today to be disciples. I'm inviting us to be called to be disciples. I want to pray for you because this church is on a course to be a disciple-making church. Not a crowd-gathering church, but a disciple-making church. God, and I pray that you would call us to that today. God, you would call us to be 
what you've intended us to be all along. And many in this room have prioritized you. They have made you, God, the center of their life. God, I thank you for their example. I thank you for the gathering today of disciples in this room. And I pray those who maybe are wrestling, God, that they're feeling the struggle, tension, Lord, of their priorities and the tension of their passions. God, I pray that you would keep inviting them to follow you. God, just as you did Peter, even when he forsook you and he left you and he betrayed you, God, when you resurrected, you invited him one more time to follow you. God, and I'm praying today for somebody, God, who hasn't made their way to the cross yet. They haven't repented of their sins. They haven't been baptized in your name. They haven't experienced the power of your spirit, Lord. I'm praying today that someone would say, Lord, I want to follow you wherever you go. Lord, I want to follow you wherever you go. I wonder if somebody would step forward as a sign and a commitment to say, Lord, I'm going to go wherever you want me to go. I'm going to be a disciple, Lord, of you. God, I'm all in. I'm all in. God, I pray you would speak today. I know that the words that I'm speaking today may be challenging, Lord, but I pray it would be received, God, with hearts that are receptive. God, and maybe if there are things that need to change in our lives, Lord, that we would have the courage to make those changes. Lord, if there are places in our life, Lord, that we need to die out to, places that we need to, God, establish, Lord, your authority and your plan in, God, I pray, give us the courage. Give us the courage, Lord, to deny ourselves. Give us the courage to take up our cross and follow you. I wonder if somebody would cry out to the Lord. Just cry out to the Lord. Talk to the Lord. Maybe he's dealing with you about something. I want you to just acknowledge it to the Lord today. We're going to sing together. We're going to worship together as disciples. God, we worship you. We love you. We magnify your name. We glorify your name. Bless the name of the Lord. 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 Hallelujah. Somebody say, here I am, Lord. Send me wherever you want me to go, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let the burden of the Lord rest on you. Let the cry of the Lord rest on you. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. holding you back today from being all in with Jesus what's holding you back from being all in with Jesus hallelujah
grace and mercy. God, there's no way that many of us would be able to stay in the same room as each other without your grace and mercy. Lord, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for washing us clean in your blood. Thank you, God, for inviting us, God, to your holiness and to your presence and power. Thank you, God, for your mercy and grace that overshadows us every day that we live. Lord, thank you for calling us to be disciples. Thank you for inviting us to follow you. Thank you, God, for inviting us on the greatest God adventure of our lives. The most fulfilling thing, God, we could ever do is to do your work in the world, to live our lives as you intended them to be lived. Lord, you have.
have created us. You have molded us, Lord. And I pray, God, that we would live to honor your name. So today, Lord, we commit afresh to be your disciples. We commit afresh, Lord, to be your disciples. God, we want to be in your presence, Lord. God, let us be in your presence and in your word, Lord. Let us be, God, in the, to experience your power, Lord. God, give us authority. God, give us authority in the spirit. God, and I pray, let us be in proximity to your people, Lord. I pray, draw us together to do a mighty work for you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Bless the name of the Lord. Bless the name of the Lord. Amen. 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 Well, thank you for being here today. So thankful you're here. And remember, I'm serious. Next week, everybody will be okay. Next week, I want you to wear what you wear to work, or if you wear, if you go to school, I want you to wear what you wear to school. They all, TCA all hates me right now. Wear your school uniform. All right. God bless you. Find somebody you don't know. Tell them how glad you are to see them at the Calvary Church. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.